Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Thank you for coming tonight. Luke chapter 15. The title of tonight's message is The Making of a Prodigal. I am not. <laughs> I'm the last person to be considered uh, a, the teenager whisperer. Um, I, we, we spent um, 18, 18 years as a youth pastor and we continued on uh, uh, leading uh, camps and things like that for, uh, for a couple years. And uh, God, God just did some unique things um, with us. And uh, and allowed us to experience some just amazing things. We we loved youth ministry um, for for the most part. Amen. Let's just be honest. Some of it, it it's hard. It's it's a roller coaster, right? And uh, but we knew we had a calling. Amen. And uh, um, and we enjoy uh, friendships now with uh, with young people. Well, we they're well they're young because um, forty six is young. Amen. And uh, that we, we enjoy uh, friendships with, uh, uh, with young people who are approaching their 40s now, that we're in our youth ministry and serving God um, across this nation and, and even across the world. And, and we just love being able to keep in contact with them. And, uh, and yes, we've been blessed with uh, uh, our children. You, you've heard them sing. And uh, just, just talking to uh, our, our son, uh, Jeremy, he FaceTimed us yesterday and just told us about some exciting things that are happening there and their, their Bible study there that, they're, uh, that him and a friend uh, run at, uh, at Pensacola. It's, I think it's the biggest Bible study there, just, just completely bond, just, just completely student run. And uh, we're just so thrilled um, with that. So I just want to preface this. Um, I think I, I, I told you the, the title for tonight, The Making of a Prodigal. Now, we, prodigals do not happen just overnight, right? Uh, a young person doesn't just wake up and say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with God, right? It's, it's a process. It's something that's, that's happening and stewing in the heart of a, of a, of a young person. Uh, I do want to say this. Um, uh, I didn't have um, ideal godly parenting modeled for me. Both of my parents were saved later in life, and uh, well, I'll, I'll just say my, my mom has been in heaven for, I think, about 15 years. Uh, she died of uh, cancer at the age of 54. Uh, she was a wonderfully godly woman. And just when she got saved, she just grew and got excited and, and taught a Sunday school class. She was just one of those people that, that didn't really have any gifting and teaching, but she just wanted to serve the Lord. And, and she was, everybody loved her. And uh, she was just a wonderful godly lady. My, uh, my stepdad, um, my, my biological father, um, left our lives fairly early, but my stepdad, who I do, he is my dad. Um, he carried some baggage. We, we, a lot of us under, understand that, right? We get saved later in life. Um, we're a new creature for sure, but, but we carry a little bit of baggage, right? And, and certainly he carried some baggage and he did his best. And I, I'm certainly thankful he was in the Navy. He taught me how to be patriotic. Um, but there was uh, an, an unequal yoke there, spiritually speaking. He was a saved man, but uh, as far as their commitment level, um, to Christ um, was was different, and so there was that um, uh, complication as far as how how I grew up. So I didn't have it modeled for me really. When I jumped into youth ministry, um, I was just 21 years old, and I was still in my senior year in Bible college, and I wasn't a youth major. I never felt the call to youth uh, youth ministry. Um, I took more missions classes. I did take youth classes because I heard they were easy and you played games. And so just, hey, as a, as a 21-year-old, a 20-year-old uh, Bible college student, hey, I, I needed to take a couple uh, classes that were just for game's sake, right? And, and, and I did. So I, I didn't have that, that training, but we, we threw ourselves at it. And so um, a lot of the reading and resources was all about youth ministry. And really because, and here's where we have to be honest as parents, are because of our backgrounds, if you're like me and didn't have that modeled for you, that ideal godly marriage and home, then you've got to seek some counsel. Um, I, I should have back then read books, and, and there's certainly nothing wrong with me reading books and equipping myself in youth ministry, but I should have paid a little bit more, a lot more attention on the parenting side of this because there's a whole lot for me to learn. And, uh, and uh, as well, um, as far as getting uh, counsel in this thing from people who've, 
who've been there and, and done it. And, and, and God bless, don't get me wrong. And I do, in the coming weeks, I do have a message entitled, How Our Kids Can Survive Our Shortcomings, right? So I'm an encyclopedia of what not to do, amen? And, and, and I'm going to share those things uh, share those things with you. But at the same time, we're, we're going to look at some biblical principles, and I'm just going to throw out some ideas of how to make these biblical pr- principles practical in our lives. And you have to adjust it. Um, with your family, because not, you know, for, we're all a little bit different. Uh, you know, I can't, you know, for us, donuts fix everything in our house, right? And so they, for your your family context, that's not going to work for every every family, right? And sports is a big thing for us. And for you, it might not be sports. It might be the opera. I hope not. But may, if that's you, that's your thing, all right? You do you, right? And But we'll just, uh, we'll throw out some, we're going to look at some biblical uh, um, concepts and principles there and just try to give you just a, um, some fodder for thought there, just some ideas how to bring these biblical principles to life, right? And, uh, and the Bible needs to be livable, amen? But we, we need to live in this. It's not just for knowledge's sake. We're not trying to, here at Liberty Baptist Church, is trying to build up people and young people who could win uh, Bible trivia, right? That just puffs up, right? Knowledge puffs up. But, uh, but we, what we need to do is live the scriptures, amen, and try our best to, to look at, um, um, at real practical concepts there. So our, our youth ministry was unique. It wasn't just the ministering to the 50 to 70 young people, t- typically is what our, our, our youth group ran uh, in those years, but we also ran our own camp, and so that gave us um, access to, to, to other young people, and we just had special friendships with young people that weren't in our, our youth group as well, and we still enjoy those um, to this day. Janelle Stalnecker, I don't know if she's here tonight, was was one of those young people that she was just always around and always kind of felt like she was a, a part of our youth group as well, and uh, and then being able to preach um, a number of camps and meeting young people. And, and here's the thing, um, and I know you have to, when, when you work with young people, Christians in general, sometimes people can just get in the mode of complaining about their lives, right? But there are certain times where there's just a, a, an honest vulnerability that some young people and Christians have and, and, and different periods in life where you just realize, you know, this person isn't just belly aching about their life. And, and a lot of those moments came during camps and, and youth conferences, whether I was running it or bringing a uh, bringing some kids out or preaching these camps, and and then as as young people would, um, their hearts would be broken by the word of God, and they would open up very honestly about things that were really, really hurting them, and, and really those things are, are are certainly very, very important to consider. It's not just it's not just that a young person is just a bellyacher or a complainer, and they could be. Don't get me wrong, right? And we shouldn't be complainers, but maybe there's just some real legitimate issues that they need to be helped through and worked through and some real legitimate pains that need to be be worked through. And then of course with with culture changing so often as a as a youth pastor and and of course trying to raise up my own family in a godly way and trying to shield them um, from the the things of the world and and just trying to live a a holy godly life. Um, As I was going through youth ministry there came a point where we had just a few years in that you know, young people be talking about stuff or, or using slang that to me was like the dirtiest, worst things ever, but it didn't, it didn't mean that. And, and I realized, you know what, I, I had to be a little bit knowledgeable. I had to be knowledgeable as far as what was going on with pop culture and, and things that were going on there. So on purpose, so as a parent and as a youth minister, on purpose, I, I sought out resources to find out what was going on in the world. And that's really important. And, and, uh, um, uh, and parents, that's that's your responsibility, and and the church is going to try their best to uh, uh, to equip you. But but as far as what's going on in your home and the things that are out there, um, you're going to have to seek out some resources. And and I I don't know if this is still a good resource, but one that that really helped me for a decade or so was plugged in online. It was uh, it's an online resource put out by Focus on the Family, where they would. Uh, um, give reviews of video games and movies and music that's plugged in online. It's been a couple of years since I've looked, um, just as we've kind of transitioned into a different life with the, the kids uh, uh, grown up now. But plugged in online is one. But there's just other things. I mean, you can do your Google is is uh, can be our best friend, right? 
and, and just look for, re, for resources and that will keep you educated in, in a good and very, very important way. So with these culture changes, when, when I first started in youth ministry, the thing that drove me nuts were pagers. Anybody remember pagers? Come on. Yeah. I almost outlawed pagers for a while because people would come in and we'd be trying to sing or I'd preach and a pager would go off, right? They'd silence it and young, young people ask you, Google it, young people, all right? And uh, they would silence their pagers, but then you could hear the buzz, right? Kind of like with our cell phones, right? With silence, you could hear, you could hear the person buzzing next to you, whatever, right? And, and it would be such a distraction to youth group. And, and, and as we went on, and we got later on in the ministry, we got to 15, 16, 17 years. And with the advent of mobile phones, I was wishing that the complication was pagers, right? I mean, just things got so complicated. And, and the things that were opened up um, uh, to young people that they had access to, wow, it was so scary. Honestly, I couldn't imagine being raised in this, in this uh, environment, in this time without some really, really serious protections. As I said, we, we didn't grow up in that ideal situation. And if, if I was growing up um, with the freedoms, I suppose, with the leniency, um, I, I just don't see how I could have survived spiritually. And so we have to just take that into account and take that very seriously as, as parents, um, the protections that we need to set up. And so, I mean, as we go through this, I, I trust, especially tonight, there'll be, even if you're not a parent at all, there'll be some concepts in here that, uh, that can be applic applicable to you, that I, that I believe can be a, a help to you um, spiritually. Um, and so we're going to look at the making of a prodigal, making of a prodigal. Let, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that you do work in our hearts and that you, uh, you help us, help us to learn uh, what you have for us, no matter our, our stage in life, dear God, that we would find some biblical principles today that we can apply to our lives and that would help us to be close to you. We love you, Lord. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 15. You're there. The Bible says in verse number 11, you know the story probably. And he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided to them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. If you've been in church for some time, you know the story of the prodigal son who decided, hey, it was time for him to get out on his own. He had an inheritance waiting for him, and he was going to leave, and he lived a dirty life of sin. Praise God, he came back. There's always um, repentance and restoration available to us. Some, um, some sad stats, 80% said now, 80% of young people who grow up in church leave the church by their freshman year in college. Eight out of every 10 young people who grow up in church. I remember seeing that, that statistic some years ago, and I was just curious, and I was already starting to really get burdened for the young people that we were losing. Um, and I'm not talking about young people going to different kinds of churches, different kinds of, of, of Christian churches, um, but young people that just completely left the church. And so we, I did my own research, and I, I, I came up with a list, and I had a file on my computer uh, that I entitled The Ones That, the ones that Left. And, and I had all these names of young people that had come through our, our, our youth group that left, and, and I tried to um, uh, find commonalities of what their family situation was. And, and some young people I didn't know, but there were some young people I did know and, um, and, and their, their church attendance and their activities attendance and where they went to camp and mission trips and things like that. And I was able to really find some commonalities. And one thing I, I praise the Lord, I don't know exactly, um, what the different dynamic was there at our ministry and our church. Um, and I, I talked to other full-time youth pastors that were ministering at the same time. Um, the best that I could calculate is that we were, our numbers were, were flipped on that. Um, we were losing 20% and we were keeping 80% so far. And then as, even as we've um, been out of youth ministry since 2014 um, and we pay attention to people and keep in contact with people, I, I still have that in my mind and, and, and praise God, young people are growing up and staying in church, but it's still that 20% for me that we were losing, of course, broke my heart. I wanted to know, um, you know, of course, I have to take some responsibility in that, right? I, I want to do, uh, do as best a job as I, as I could. And so 
I evaluated my ministry and our, our ministry and what we were doing and how we were teaching and what we, how we were doing it and how we were building relations, all those different things, and trying to find all these, these commonalities. But 80% in most evangelical churches, they're leaving the church by their freshman year. It used to be that we could expect young people who left church when they got married and had kids, they would typically return to their, their, uh, their, their roots of their, their faith. Um, but we're not seeing that anymore. They're leaving and they're staying gone. Um, 10 years ago, 10, just 10 years ago, 77% of U.S. adults identified as Christian. 77, 77%. In just this last decade, that number has gone down by 12%. It's only 65% now. In just this last decade. Um, 26% claim to be completely religiously unaffiliated. 26% today. And that's up 17% in the last decade. So people are leaving just all faith-based systems and concepts um, in droves. And, and here's an interesting um, uh, number. I'm just going to throw it out there, and we're going to um, uh, explore this a little bit deeply, more deeply in the coming weeks. But in this same de- decade, the Mormon share of the population has held steady, about 2%. They haven't lost any share. They're, they're staying steady. The Mormons, they're not losing people. Hmm. Here's a couple things. Their divorce rate is 10% less than us evangelical Christians. And the premarital sex rate amongst their teens is 30% lower. And, they, and they're, they're staying steady. Just wanted to throw that out there. We'll explore that a little bit more deeply late um, in the coming weeks. So the making of the prodigal, what happens? Now, this isn't going to be all inclusive. This isn't going to be exhaustive on the on the subject, but I think we can see some really important principles here in Luke 15 as we consider the prodigal sons, actually. You look at verse number 12 to start. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And, if, and he divided unto them his living. So this prodigal son goes up to his father one day and says, Hey, give me my inheritance right now. I'm entitled to that thing right now. First of all, number one, we see in this passage, number one is the poison of pride. The poison of pride. It's that sense, that sense of entitlement that is really, really prominent in today's generation. Wouldn't you say? I mean, there really has been a shift. Um, I, even just politically speaking, though to, those of us who are a little bit older, and we've been in this country for a little while, I mean, there's no way 20 years ago, as I mean, it was as maybe starting early on in youth, uh, youth ministry, that, uh, that I would believe that socialism would be so accepted in America, that it would be so popular. And here it is now. It's a big thing. And young people in droves are, are falling for this thing of socialism. What, 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 is, what is socialism? Is that, that uh, society owes the individual all these different things, Right. And so um, we're entitled to free, gu- uh, free health care and, and free college and all these things. And it all sounds good. And so there's this feeling and sense of entitlement that is just growing amongst young people. And it's something that we, as a church family, we've got to fight. Because all through Scripture, all through Scripture, the concept of personal responsibility is powerful. It's powerful. Now, thank God we're in a church that from the pulpit, our pastor is going to feed us, right? But my walk with God ultimately is not up to my pastor. It's up, it's up to me. It's on me. So it's up to me to take those principles of the, the wonderful preaching and, and live those principles and, and not just open up my, my Bible on, on Sundays and on Wednesdays, but, but to open it up every single day. Hey, it's on me. Personal responsibility. And so how do we... How, do, how can we battle that in, uh, in today's world, in today's generation um, that's, that's coming up? Well, just a, a couple, uh, just a couple ideas here. To teach delayed gratification early. Teach delayed gratification early. I, I think we, we do our kids damage if they want something and they're accustomed to just getting it just like that, Right? There should be, and don't get me wrong, I, I, of course, we want to bless our children, and there's times that we just bless our children just because, right? But there should be a strong idea within our kids, and that has to start young, that you know what, if you want something, you need to earn it, right? You should work for that, right? 
Yeah, don't give me yes. Yes, of course. Bless your children at times. But I think the balance of the things that they want, it should be stuff that they earn. You may be familiar with the, um, the marshmallow study. Anybody heard of the marshmallow study? It was put out by, um, by Stanford. Stanford University did this marshmallow study in 1972, in which they would take these young children, right, and they would sit them at a desk and put a marshmallow in front of them, right? And they would tell them, okay, you can eat this one marshmallow right now. Right, but if you wait till I come back, you can have two marshmallows. Isn't that cruel? Goodness gracious, who is going to do that to children? Right, and so they would put that one marshmallow, and then the um, uh, the whoever's doing the study walks out of the room, and of course they have a they probably have a mirror or what have you or a camera, and and you can find footage of this, and you could you could see the, the children just struggling. Some of the children they just they just eat the marshmallow, right? They see the mark. But some of the, many of the children understand, whoa, if I just wait, I can have two. And you could see them, just the struggle, and, 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 and they, they'd hold the table, and they'd tremble, and they'd, they'd, they'd pick it up, and they'd put it back down. But here's the thing. So they, they followed these young people for decades, right? And so you had the one group that just took the marshmallow right away, right? And you had the other group that waited for two marshmallows, and as you follow them on through the decades, an incredible study, you could look it up, the Stanford's Marshmallow Study, that those that waited did so much better in life. They went farther in life, all the different markers would have you, had better families, all these different, it's not just about wealth, but did better in school, all these different things, delayed gratification. And, uh, and that's just something that you need to pray through and just ways that you could, you could implement that in your family and just start that young. I'm not saying that you... You just go and put your marshmallow. That's what you do every single day. Okay, you, um, uh, Junior, here, here's the marshmallow. You wait. And, 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 and I've, I've seen people post that on, on Facebook, and their kids eat it, or they wait, or would it struggle, all that. But I think it's certainly important that our kids learn to earn things, right? Learn to earn things and learn that, hey, sometimes gratification, a lot of gratification is worth the wait. And obviously, that concept can go a long ways, right? Um also, this, here's another one. Prioritize experiences over possessions. Prioritize experiences over possessions. And, um, and I'm not against things. Um, we, we, uh, our, our boys wanted a, a, a gaming console, and, and we, we, had, we always had a PlayStation, and it was usually a little bit older, but we had one, and, 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 and they liked playing games, and hey, I was known every once in a while to binge on some Madden and, and make a franchise. It's been a couple years, but every once in a while, I just want to create a franchise in Madden and just completely disconnect from the world, all right? And so now that I think about it, I want to do that again soon, but I don't, the, the, the boys took the PlayStation with them. And uh, so, and so, so we had things, right? But we really wanted to do things, amen? I mean, memories are so important. And so in this, here's, here's another problem it, with our society is that we are stuck indoors. And this is a big concept. When I, when I do a mental health Sunday and I, I, I speak on mental health or I, or I help somebody individually who's struggling with depression or anxiety, one of the big things I encourage them to do is get out of the house, right? If they sit in, if they sit in, the, in an office, um, for hours, they have to split that up and take a break, not in the break room, but outside and get in the sunshine and, and, and do some things outside. And so rather than our kids just being full, filled with technology and just stuff, right? I think we have to be proactive as far as getting them out and experiencing things out in God's creation. Um, and well, how did this, this fit with this entitlement and pride thing. Well, there's a, here's an, another interesting study. Um, uh, some researchers um, wanted to, uh, they did a study on awe, A-W-E, awe. And, and awe is powerful. When we take awe at something, it does some incredible things uh, in our brain. And so one interesting study um, had uh, uh, test subjects draw a me picture. And they had these sheets of paper that had a, a pre-printed landscape for, for, a, for scale, trees, sun, whatever, right? And so they had one group draw their me picture at Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, just this tourist trap, you know, of just people and, and shops and things like that, right? And they drew, and they had another group of people in Yosemite Valley. 
and draw their meat picture. Here is the really neat thing. The people that drew themselves in Yosemite drew themselves 30% smaller. Remember, this is a pre-printed page. And when they signed it, they signed their names much smaller than the group that drew their me picture at Fisherman's Wharf. And what does this tell us? You know what awe does? When we're in an awe-inspiring place, remember the Bible says, speak to the earth and it shall teach thee, right? God's creation is amazing. Hey, technology is amazing, but technology is not going to make you feel smaller. And this is a good thing. Why? Because the Bible says, you know, he must increase, I must decrease. And video games and all these different, and, and, and these smartphones, they're not making us decrease. They're not making us smaller. They're making us feel more entitled. They're making us feel more needy of things. Whereas if we get in nature, and there is just something. One of the things I, folks, I love our church. I just love being here. And honestly, I hope I don't get over it. I'm just, I, I just almost pinch myself. God, I can't believe you brought me here to this wonderful ministry and meeting so many wonderful people. And I, and I really love the fact that I can go down to the beach um, and, and pray at the beach. And, and some of you know my testimony. It was a traumatic um, place for me for, for a long time. And now it's a place, a reminder of God's healing in my life. And, and at least two or three times a week, I, I go to Corona Del Mar and I have my spot where I pray and I'm looking over an ocean. The ocean is so huge. It's so vast. It's so powerful. And, and there's something about praying while you're looking out into an ocean that reminds you of just how small you are and how big God is. That reminds you of just how powerful God is and how weak I am. There's something powerful about that. And uh, just recently, I was preaching some meetings up in the Pacific Northwest. And in between meetings, I, I took a little couple days sabbatical. And I, I'd not done anything like that before other than an emergency sabbatical because of my depression and, and panic attacks. And, and, and there, there's no crisis. I mean, some of you know that we're going through some stuff. And thank you for your prayers and love for us. But, but I'm, I'm doing well. But I just wanted to get alone with God. And, and uh, um, there's trees in the Pacific Northwest. Not like our trees, right? I mean, these beautiful, huge, towering trees. And I... I just wanted to walk in the midst of them and, and talk to God while I'm under these towering trees. And there's something awe-inspiring about nature and about if you understand that, hey, this stuff didn't just happen, that there's a powerful God, a creator, who created all this diversity and all this powerful power and, and all this detail. God did that. And there's something hum um, humbling about being out in God's nature. And so let me encourage you. Here's just an, it's just an idea. Maybe you think, oh, it's a dumb idea. If it's a dumb idea to you, it's okay. Don't do it. You know, take your vacation to the arcade, I guess, right? But maybe just intentionally, just think of ways, start young. That your vacations are, and, and it's, it's easy. I mean, we live in this beautiful world. And go to Yosemite when the kids are young. Stand under a waterfall and just let them feel the power of that, Right? And just start and then go to the Grand Canyon or or something close by or just spend time at the at the ocean and and let them wonder at the um, at, at at the the power and vastness of the ocean or go up into the mountains and 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 see the towering trees and the and, and the and the beautiful landscape or maybe go out into the desert and 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 uh, and and stand out just in uh, under the night sky when you're away from the city lights and and we I would do this with with the kids and, and, and with our young people and we do devotions while we're in missions trips and we take them out and we're we're out in the uh, in a really rural area and I and I do a devotion and I, I tell the kids to look up and 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 when you're away from the city lights, it's amazing. You see all these stars that you never see down here, right? I mean, it's so amazing that you could see this, this splash of white going right through the middle and, and to realize that we're on the edge of the Milky Way galaxy and, and looking at the Milky Way, there's something awe-inspiring that reminds you, wow, God created all this and, and I'm a part of something so much bigger than me. And it's just an idea to fight this, the, the, the feeling of entitlement and pride, knowing, you know what? I must decrease. I'm not that big. God's big. And it's these things in nature that, hey, it would be good to expose our kids to. 
as well as our kids do. And so another, another study, um, this was in, at Berkeley University, and it was an entitlement study, actually, where it, it just happens to be at Berkeley, on Berkeley campus, they have some of the, uh, the tallest hardwood trees in all of North America, um, well over 200 feet tall. And, and what they would do is they'd have um, their test subjects sitting under these, um, under these trees and filling out an entitlement um, survey. And, of course, they had a control group that was maybe filling it out in a, um, in a classroom or what have you. And, of course, those that were sitting underneath these towering trees, they tested out to be much less entitled. Awe, awe of nature encourages humility. The making of a prodigal, this young man was entitled. He was entitled. It's the poison of pride. Let's make sure we just as Christians, we, we're in the mindset of earning things, right? It's not the government's responsibility to take care of my family. It's my responsibility, right? It's not the pastor's responsibility to give me a walk with God. It's my responsibility, right? As a, as a young person, hey, it's not Pastor R.C.'s responsibility to give me a good time or a vibrant Christian life. Hey, young person, it's your responsibility. And praise God when you have authority figures over you um, that will help you and guide you. But ultimately, young and old in here, it's on us. It's on us. The poison of pride. And then would you look at verse number 13? And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So first we see the poison of pride. Number two, we see the deception of distance. The deception of distance. All right, so distance, we're not talking about just geographic distance. Whereas that used to be, you know, the kind of the big thing. Um, my sister's here sitting over there next, next to Brenna. And she's lived uh, mostly in, in Northern California. Her, her husband and, and my, my, uh, my dear nephews are there, um, is, is a youth pastor. And now they live in, in Oregon, um, in Medford, Oregon. Oregon, wow, is so liberal. But anyways, um, just was spend, I was just up there, and too bad. They have beautiful trees, but liberal agenda. Anyways, um, and uh, um, it, because just because of distance, obviously, my kids haven't had opportunity to get to know her and her kids as much as, of course, we, we, would, we would like, ideally, right? Because of geographically. But now, we are so distant from people who are sitting right next to us. Why? Because of technology. And this isn't a technology um, busting, uh, you know, I'm not just, I'm not attacking it. I, I have this Bible here. Here's the truth. It's just for looks. I have, I have everything on here on my tablet, right? I have the scriptures in here. I mean, if you're offended by that, and I do have my analog version right here, okay? But I, I like everything in the digital world, okay? And so I, I'm not against technology. I love it. It just makes it more um, uh, you know, just more convenient for me. And I, I have, the, so I have the scriptures all, all in those things. I'm not against technology, but we just have to be careful with it. We have to be very careful with it. And so technology is creating this distance between people where people don't know how to socialize anymore. Realize that? I mean, isn't it it's sad um, in when, you know, I haven't been in restaurants in a long time, but you just walk into restaurants and you got a group of people there in a restaurant and they're sitting all at the same table, and all of them are on their phones, right? All on their phones. I remember seeing it, and I, I like social media. I like, I, like, I like being on Facebook and seeing what friends are doing, old friends and classmates and all that. And some people take pictures of, their, um, uh, of a family get-together, and everybody's on their phones. I mean, I would be so embarrassed by that, you know? And, and so we've, we've, we've become distant because of technology. And so we, and I'll, I'll hit this a little bit. Um, a little bit more in the next point. But I want to talk about this emotional distance that is occurring more and more in even Christian homes. Um, talk to a lot of young people, a lot of young people, especially, like I said, when hearts are broken at camp and, and just in, in heartache that they don't have a relationship with their dads or their moms, never had a deep conversation and and, uh, and it, it, it's, it's sad. And, and it's, it's interesting that the longer I was in, in youth ministry, just kind of the shift of, I guess, my uh, persona to the kids. At first, when you're 21, you're kind of the big brother. Or no, really, when I was 21, I was just a loser Bible college student. But you get into your mid-20s, and you're the big brother. And then you get into the 30s, and maybe you're, you try to be the cool uncle. And then you get into the you, later 30s, and you're more of a dad figure. It's just, it's just interesting, all, all those different stages 
Um, but it, it was sad uh, for young people to tell me, it says, I, I, I can't talk to my dad like I talk to you, and I wish I could. And they wish they could. And so as far as, you know, I, the secret life of Tim, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I can say this. I've talked to dozens and dozens of young people that yearn for a relationship with their parents. And I understand at home, it may seem that they're completely aloof, right? They don't care. They don't want, but more than likely they do. But much like you, they don't know how to do it. And we somehow get intimidated by each other. The, um, the, the older the kids get, we just kind of get intimidated because we just feel so disconnected. That's why this stuff is really has to start really, really young, right? I'm not saying if you're starting later, uh, here's the truth. It's a little bit more of an uphill climb the later you start, but it can be done. It can be done. There is healing. You show yourself real and show yourself friendly. That, that, that's a biblical principle for everybody, including us parents, right? If we're to have friends, we must show ourselves friendly. How about, you know, try not to be so grumpy, <laughs> right? Try that. I mean, maybe, maybe it's not it. Maybe that's not the issue, right? But, but let's be honest with ourselves, right? Uh, what, what are we like at home um, when we get home from work, right? And maybe there's some adjustments. If, if you have a, uh, you know, a stressful, uh, stressful job, maybe there's some things you could do before you get home to release some stress and, and maybe get some exercise. Maybe just... Yeah, you, you get home maybe half an hour later. Maybe that just make a, a huge difference in your mood if you just take a quick walk or run or work out or whatever whatever you can you can do to just release some stress so that when you get home you're in a whole lot better shape, right? To show yourself friendly so that you can actually have friends in your house. <laughs> Amen. What a concept, right? But there's some things you just got to be honest. Hey, you're living kind of a stressful life in your days. There's some things that you can do about that. And maybe you need to seek some counsel on that. Maybe you need to. But being emotionally distant. So here's just a couple things to throw at you. You know, start family traditions early. Just start them early. And these are, these are really simple. For us, when, when spring break hit, spring, uh, uh, spring forward, uh, daylight savings hit, we, always, we went and got frozen yogurt and walked the, the downtown area where, where we lived. I mean, they enjoy the sunshine. It's just something that we did. We do holiday football um, and get together with the cousins and all that. And, and, uh, and so we're, you know, we're, we're hanging out and, and doing things. And, and it was awesome when they were young and we could pretend to run slow. And now that my kids are older, I run as fast as I can and they still run way ahead of me. And, and then my, my everything hurts the next day. And it's, it's terrible. I hate being the slowest chubbiest guy in the field, but that's how it works for us now. But we still have that tradition, and we have a good time. And, and so just have some family traditions of some sort that you know, hey, this is what we do as Nepomucenos. My kids know when we're on vacation, we find the best donuts in the area. They already know that. We're looking. They're on one of them's on Yelp or what have you. They just know that's what we do as Nepomucenos. We eat donuts and ice cream too, but yeah, we do all that thing. Um, quality time, quality one-on-one time. Well, that, that can be a challenge. That's, that's where, honestly, you've got to start that young. I, I remember um, a mom was talking to Brenna years ago, and she was just concerned. Um, the, the, the husband, the dad, good godly man, but as the, the daughter has become a teenager, just, he was just, she was just so concerned that they just didn't have anything to talk about. And, and that does. It, it gets weird, right? It, it, it doesn't have to be, but it gets weird. Teenage girls, you're complicated, okay? And so help your dads out with this. You are. And, um, and so she was just real concerned with that. And, and, uh, and, and I, I got that. And, um, and to be honest, I mean, you, you can, you, that's something that you have to work on if you're getting a late start on that. But, but for me in ministry, I, I um, and we would go out soul winning every single Saturday. And, um, and, and early on, of course, I always had a teenager with me and wanted to teach him how to lead, lead people to the Lord. Uh, but then my kids started getting a little bit older. Even as, as young children, I, I would have a couple kids with me. But then I, I switched it to where I'd only take one with me at a time so I could just talk to that one and just talk about recess and, and what, you know, whatever different things that happened while they're young and as they got older. And I remember when um, leading someone to the Lord, my, my son Jeremy, the first time, he was there, and, and uh, um, that led some to the Lord at, at the door. And he must have been 
nine or ten years old. I said, wow, Pop, that was good. He, he received Jesus. Said, yeah, and, and there's just an excitement in that. And just that's just a natural time to show them what God can do. But as you're going from door to door, you're able to talk. And um, another thing, as far as working with teenagers, I realized um, when I would take boys home um, from an activity or what have you, some of the best talks while we were driving. Why? Because us dudes, we don't like to look each other in the eye while we're talking. So don't look behind. I so while we're driving, right, we don't have that awkward eye contact, in particular with a teenage boy. And I just realized, you know, for me, wow, boys are, they will open up and they'll talk a little bit more because they don't feel like they have to look at something else or figure out which eye to look, eyeball to look at, you know, sometimes it is, or it look like a nose, you know, and there's a hair out and you, you just get distracted, right? And there, there wasn't that awkward dynamic. And so maybe just on purpose, hey, you're going to go run an errand, bring, bring somebody, bring a child with you or, uh, or what have you, and maybe go a little bit further, go to the Home Depot that's not as close, and they won't know any better, but it's just an opportunity to talk to your boy. It just it, it eliminates that awkward part of the dynamic. Like I said, hey, it's just an idea. And look for and create connection points. Connection points. Hey, that's what we're working towards as a church here, right? We, we want to connect. We want to build relationships um, in a church. He's going to get it, you know, it gets more challenging in, in a bigger church, but we want to connect. Relations are, are important. Hey, we need to connect in our homes too, right? And so look for and create connection points. And so even uh, just an example with my daughter, um, like I said, there's, there's a bunch that I did wrong and I had shortcomings and maybe failed, but I was a complete success in brainwashing my kids in sports. All of my kids are Charger fans. Amen. Come on. And uh, haters. Um, and uh, all, all of my kids, I mean, they, they even followed uh, me at basketball. We were San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs fans, and we just kind of uh, followed Kawhi Leonard over to the Clippers. So we're Clippers fans. So Lakers, yeah, Laker fans, yes, I will talk smack to you when I can. Um, and uh, can't right now, but, uh, but, but it'll be there. I mean, so one thing, I mean, I thoroughly, thoroughly brainwashed my kids. And so we had that. So even with my daughter... My daughter, oh my goodness, she's going to make a, a, some guy really, really happy. She loves donuts and football and Jesus. I mean, she, goodness gracious, she's going to make a man very, very happy. And uh, um, but, but, So we, we have that. And so even, you know, with, with, with Brenna, the things that she texts Brenna, she texts Brenna, uh, they have this fine arts competition and, uh, you know, the, the, their formal dresses that they wear. And she texts that to Brenna. I don't get that one. And I don't care, <laughs> right? I'm not offended by that. I, you know, I looked at, you know, Brenda looked at it and says, oh, yeah, that's okay. It's a dress, right? And, uh, um, okay, it's long enough. Oh, okay, I'll say it, yeah. Um, all that, it's, it, and she looks nice. But then if it's um, football-related or music-related, you know, I, I get the text. So I have a different connection point. It's just different, you know. It's not a competition. Um, but, but it's good. I, at least I have that connection point with her. And I worked on that. Not, not a, it wasn't something that was a burden of mine. I have to make them Charger fans. But it's something that just occurred when we, we were young. We went to Chargers training camp while they were young. And they sat in the stands. And I would point out the, uh, the players and the different drills that they were doing. It's just something we did that were young. And so I have these natural connection points with, with my kids. And so it's something that you have to create and look for. So you get to know your kids. And your kids will... Um, naturally like certain things and even if you don't like them hey that could be a connection point to draw in, in um, uh, just to take some interest in that right and, and and whatever that may be and so as parents you have to be looking you have to be paying attention that's what they like that's the, their personality that's what draws them in right and so um, that 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 deception of, of distance. Let's look for connection points. And I'm just going to give you um, a, a couple here and we'll, more will be done. The absence of authority we see also in, in those same verses. You know, obviously he goes to a far country, gets away from his dad, and so he thinks he's got it all good, but then he wastes everything. So lack of authority and mentoring, it leads to waste, right? So our kids, obviously, they need aggressive financial guidance, right? Aggressive financial guidance. We can't let them waste all their, all their, if they get a job, we have to, we have to certainly be careful with that. But also, just in that sense of, um, you know, our kids need real stringent social media accountability. It's just, and, and really, I think 
Uh, and, and you need to, that number is between you and God. Um, but I think the older, the better, as far as letting them start having social media accounts, right? Um, here's the truth. TikTok is not like just, it's not just for recipes, you know, and stuff like it. It's not, you know, do your research, your research on that. And, um, but I think the, the longer you wait, I think the better on that. Um, and there has to be kind of, it used to be earlier on in youth ministry, I, I would encourage parents, all right, if you have a computer, it has to be out in the, in the living room or some high traffic area with the screen facing out. It has to be password protected. It has to have a filter, all those things. And when the kids use it, you have to be behind them, right? Now, kids have computers in their pockets. It's gotten a lot more complicated and a lot more dangerous. And get to know what the phone can do. Get to know. You, you, that's on you, parents. That's on you. And, um, and, and so get some guidance in it. And, 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 and kids are more tech savvy uh, than us, but, but get some guidance and, and know um, what the capabilities are of, of the phone and what kind of restrictions. And, and there has to be um, <clears throat> uh, uh, some type of accountability uh, feature or filter on that. And, and, and it could be um, your kids don't, don't, don't like it, and that's fine, but, uh, but, but, a, but a lot of kids grow into, uh, grow into young men, and then they, um, they, they're happy to have the accountability. I, I promise. It, 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 it does. It does turn. It does change where they realize, hey, I, I need the accountability. And, and maybe at 15 or 17, they don't appreciate it, but I'm telling you, I know personally young man that is thankful and grateful to have some accountability or even a lot of accountability and some restrictions on their phone. And then lastly, I know I got to get done here. And so we don't have time to read it. But in verse number 25, there was another son, right? There's another son. So the prodigal comes home. There's music. There's dancing. Right? Hey, Brother Samuel, it was probably the temptations, right? Brother Samuel mentioned the temptations a couple, a couple weeks ago in the prayer thing. It wasn't, it wasn't the temptations. Who knows what it was? Um, but it, 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 there was music and dancing. And the other brother was so mad that he, they had this party for his brother. And he tells his dad, they say, I, I, I stay. I never left. And you never had a party for me. You didn't kill the fatted calf for, for Filipinos, the, the, the lechon on the table, you know, the, that pig with the apple. And you didn't you put the, the lechon on the table there for me. You didn't do that for me. So wait a minute. This boy was a prodigal, but he hadn't even left. He was still at home. He was still doing his chores. But inside, he was gone. But he already felt like, hey, I'm entitled to a party. You never gave me a party. I deserve a party. Do you see it there? He was already prodigal. So lastly, the confusion of conformity. The confusion of conformity. We shouldn't be happy as parents that our kids just conform, right? But we want their hearts. We want their hearts. And young people, we hope this, this isn't all this that you see and are living right now isn't just a set of rules. I hope it's a relationship that you're living with Jesus Christ. And so, parents, don't be intimidated or offended by why questions. Why do we do this? Why is it like this? Right? They're not, they're not rebellious. Right? I mean, don't be intimidated. But answer it. And if you don't know the answer, find out. Be honest. Okay, you know what? I, I don't know. But I, let me, I'm going to find out. So, as... Try not to say, because I said so too often. Sometimes we have to as parents. I get it. But I hope it's not a habit. It, it, it certainly helps people when they know the reasons to rules, right? Uh, and try not to say, because the pastor says so too often, right? I mean, let, let the kids know that it's, it's your personal walk with God, not just because of what the pastor says, right? Here, let me just say this. Don't, don't be weird. I'll just give an example. I, like I said, I have young people all across this country, and they will um, randomly text me weird things. Your, your nephew, and we'll, we'll do it, um, was, was in my youth group. But, but one young man uh, last year, he just randomly texted me. He hey, Jay, you remember that time when you were preaching against cargo pants? I'm like, yeah, why are you bringing that? I just thought of that, man. You were preaching against cargo pants. I know. I was 22. Cut me some slack. 
And here's the background for it. You know, I, I, you know, went, the Bible college I went to was was super old-fashioned, all those things. And our, um, uh, you know, the, the accepted attire was pleated khakis and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and a polo shirt, right? That was the godly attire. And so I, I jumped in. So I was, I was uh, against anything that was trendy. And uh, I grew up, we grew up poor, and so I, I, when I wore a, I remember I'm scarred. I can't to this day, I can't do it. I can't wear um, uh, corduroy, even if they come back in style, because I wore them when they were not in style, right? And then I was in junior high, and that's terrible, right? And so there was a time when cargo pants, be, it, it, it was in style, it was trendy. And so I thundered against that. So I was just against anything that was trendy. And then as my kids grew up, they wanted to wear some things, and they weren't bad, but I was just weird, I just had weird ideas of what was godly. And so make sure that our, de- our ideas are scriptural. And so not everything that's trendy is wrong, right? Sometimes they're weird. And I'm not saying, that, you know, dress modestly, but not everything. And, and that's one of the weird things that my kids did survive. So praise the Lord. Like I said, the kids can survive our shortcomings and our weirdness, but it sure would help our kids. It's just we're not weird, right? And so let's, hey, if we need, you need some guidance in that, no, there's no shame in that. I needed it. I should have gotten more guidance early on in life, right? And learn through these things. Be biblically driven as parents, right? So that's not just conforming. Our kids know, it says, hey, this is what pleases Jesus. This is what God wants. It's okay. Okay, if you want to wear cargo pants, it's okay, right? They'll come back in. I'm still waiting for MC Hammer Pants to come back in, you know. I don't think that one's going to, but hey, you know. So, hey, the confusion of conformity. So don't be weird, but don't stop being the parent either, all right? Don't stop being the parent. You're, uh, we have a responsibility. We're raising somebody's husband. We're raising somebody's wife. Wow, what a responsibility. The making of a prophet. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.